You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host Nilin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and how to create a vibrant and thriving home staging business. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 166. Hey guys, as you know, Seventeen Hats was our main sponsor at SagerCon 2021. We recommend Seventeen Hats because it was a critical part of our home staging business and free us up from lots of paperwork, admin, and chasing clients with emails. So that we can focus on what we love to do, which is staging. If you're like us, you probably didn't go into the business for the paperwork. You know, all those invoices, emails, reminders, to-dos, and just the incessant chasing after client for paperwork. So that's where Seventeen Hats comes in for us. It's like you cloned yourself. Their all-in-one platform automates your staging business. Seventeen Hats handles the tedious stuff like payment reminders, capturing leads, proposal invoicing, and even scheduling. We actually created a resource guide for you on our site. Just go to sagetrimmer.com/slash-seventeen-hats and find out more about how we use Seventeen Hats in our home staging business. If you're a current Seventeen Hats user, we would love to hear about your story too. You can submit your Seventeen Hats story on our site at sagetrimmer.com/slash-seventeen-hats. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. Just a quick reminder: we got a Black Friday sale coming up later this month. We're gonna be putting a few short courses for sale. So if you're interested, be sure to get on our newsletter, which you will find by going to the bottom of our page on our website at sagemore.com. Also, we're hosting a retreat from January 7th through 12th in Palm Springs next year. This is gonna be a retreat dedicated specifically on marketing your home staging business. So we're going to be working on creating your marketing content for 2023. I'm going to be teaching a few master classes on marketing. You're also going to have time to create your marketing plan for 2023 and get feedback and also content for your first quarter. There's also going to be one-on-one time as well. So for more information, go to sagemore.com/retreat to sign up. And obviously, if any questions, if you are wondering if this is going to be a good fit for your home staging business. Feel free to DM me on Instagram at Sage for More. Today on the show we have Danielle Hayden. She's a reformed corporate CFO, chief financial officer, who's on the mission to help rule-breaking female entrepreneurs understand their numbers so that they can gain the confidence needed to create sustainable profits. After spending ten plus years in the boardroom as a corporate financial officer, Danielle is now in her sweet spot as the CEO of Kickstart Accounting Inc. Where she helps business owners with bookkeeping, financial analysis, and education. She's also the author of Profit Planner book series. When Danielle isn't in her money mindset, you can find her hiking or spending time with her family. All right, so let's start the show. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show. Before we get started today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also your business? Yeah, my name is Danielle Hayden. I am a mama from the Midwest. My background is as a corporate CFO, working with mid-sized businesses, helping the CEO, board of directors, investors, help them understand the numbers and make business decisions to grow the business. I was so lucky to work with amazing CEOs and management teams. And I am now on a mission to take all those experiences and lessons learned from that time period, and everything that I learned from those individuals, to bring it to entrepreneurship. As entrepreneurs, we often don't have enough of the resources and knowledge in order to set our businesses up for success. 
we hear from our clients all the time. I'm really good at my craft, but I'm not good at the back end. I don't understand the numbers. So our business, Kickstart Accounting Inc., is here to help business owners understand their numbers through bookkeeping. So having on-time and accurate numbers to then be able to make business decisions. So I am having a blast and get to empower other business owners. That's great. So what inspired you to start your own business? I have, like most entrepreneurs, a pretty giant roller coaster (laughs) on my way here. I actually started off as a hairdresser. So I started off with the creative mind, but I loved the numbers part of working in the salon. And I had actually went back to school in order to open up my own hair salon. So I was in school to learn the fundamentals of business, to own my own business. However, some twists, turns of events like most of us have. I ended up in corporate accounting for about 10 years and realized that there was something still calling me, that I wanted to do what I was doing back at the salon where I was helping the other stylists, the other chair owners understand their numbers. And I wanted to be able to do that for business owners again. And so born was Kickstart Accounting where we're able to do that, use this specialized knowledge to be able to pour into other business owners. I love that. I think it's actually really brave to start your own business. I mean, not like I'm trying to compliment myself, but the thing is, it does take a lot of grit and also persistence. And getting into the business, it really is different than working for someone else. And the mindset and the mentality is completely different. It is 100% different. We're taking on a lot as business owners. Suddenly, you are expected to be the CEO your lead employee, chief marketing, sales operator, you're wearing all the hats in your business, right or wrong, right? But you go from having one thing that you're doing for somebody else to taking on every single role in the business. Yeah. And I know you specifically focus on women entrepreneurs. And in your experience, do women and men treat money differently? If so, how different? Oh, It's like complete night and day. So we do have clients who are men and women. So we're not exclusive. However, we have found that we are really able to empower other women. Now, this was all a surprise. So I want to say that this this all caught me off guard. I had no idea when I started this business how different it was going to be. We have found that men are more likely to ask for help and understand that they don't need or want to do everything on their own in their business. So when we take a discovery call with a man or a CEO founder, that they understand that they are not going to be able to do the bookkeeping themselves, that they are not going to be able to read all the numbers and they don't want to be part of the weeds of everything in their business. So they will raise their hand and say, yes, come help me in my business take this off of my plate so I can go focus on the activities that I'm better suited to do. Whereas women I have found are less likely to ask for help. And we will go so much longer just grinding it out, gritting our teeth. I can do it all. I've got this. And I think there's a little bit of a mindset shift in there that I'm not big enough. My business isn't big enough. I don't have enough revenue. I it's a sense of, I am not enough. Therefore, I do not deserve to ask for help. So I want to encourage women who are listening, 
that you are enough, right? We work with clients who just started their business day one, who are just bringing in revenue and they are enough to ask for help. And so wherever we're at in our journey, we're able to ask. I think that's very interesting. It just reminds me of my own personal experience because I, a couple of years ago, I did a master program in photography and I noticed that among the classmates, the male classmates are very, very confident about their abilities. So they would like submit their work into prizes, like really big prizes. But I noticed all the women are like, oh, I'm not really that good. You know, like the project's not good enough. I don't think I'm going to get it. Like, so like why bother to go for it? Right. And I think there is that attitude that translates into money and income as well. And then, you know, I think photography is also one of those industries where it's very men heavy compared to in staging where it's the other way around. But the thing is like a lot of times we do deal with all our male clients, a lot of real estate agents that we deal with are male. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you see kind of that loss in translation when it comes to the attitude about money. I certainly made that mistake where before I sent our proposal, I'll knock a few couple hundred dollars down because I was like, Ooh, maybe I'm too expensive. That kind of thing. Yeah. It shows in so many different ways And I've heard of that before. I've also heard women will not apply for a job that's outside of their skill set, whereas men will apply for a job that they are not necessarily qualified to do and often end up getting that job, whereas women won't apply for that. But the same thing happens in all areas of our business, whether it be getting help, accepting help, trying to do everything on our own, the way we price our services, the way we look at a profitability, the way we pay ourselves and support our personal lives and our families. So even the way we pay ourselves, that comes out. Yeah, no, let's dive into that, actually. I think it's really interesting because you said that earlier, for example, women tend to feel like, oh, we're not big enough yet to hire someone to ask for help. So when do we know that we're actually ready financially? Because I think most people, especially all our listeners are like, yeah, I'm ready to hire people now. Like, I would love to just get everything done and all this stuff. But the thing is, we don't have the money in the company. So at what point can we consider financially that we're ready to hire our first employee or contractor? Yeah, I don't have a specific dollar amount or percentage. However, I'll give you a few thought processes. First of all, we have to have our numbers in hand, right? So we have to have bookkeeping in place and we have to have a methodology to be able to review our numbers. So ideally, I would like every single business owner to be reviewing their profit and loss or also known as the income statement every single month. And I can feel every time I say that people rolling their eyes. (laughs) I'm sorry, but you have to do it. You have a responsibility as a business owner to review that information every month. And because you're reviewing that information, you will know, you will start to have the confidence, the understanding of whether or not you can hire that employee. What I hear from most people is that I don't have an accounting system in place. I don't have bookkeeping in place. So I'm not looking at my financial statements. Therefore, based on the cash in the bank and my gut, I can't afford to hire. And if we're actually looking at the numbers, we can start to shift our mindset. We become more confident. We understand what our expenses are and we can start to save. So I recommend that every business owner have between one and three months worth of operating expenses saved in a separate savings account. So if you have that profit and loss statement put together, you can calculate what your average operating expenses are per month. And that includes your wages. 
And you can start to slowly set those funds aside so that you have that money set aside. Now, the day you hire somebody, your revenue is not going away. But you know that you have this reserve set aside to be able to help cover any unexpected costs of bringing that individual on. Does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things too, I think it goes back to some of the mindset blocks we talked about earlier, right? So why don't we pinpoint those right now? What are some of the most common and biggest mindset blocks that you see when it comes to managing money for women entrepreneurs? Yeah, so I think we, we already talked about the most common one is I'm not big enough, right? I'm not enough. The other one that I hear, and I'm going to call it what it is, right? It's an excuse. But what I hear people say is, I'm not a numbers person. I'm a creative. And so it's almost this excuse to let yourself off the hook and that you don't have to look at the numbers because you're not a numbers person. I don't understand what to do with this information, right? Because I'm not a numbers person, I don't get it and I don't want to do with it. Therefore, again, almost an excuse to get yourself off the hook from having to actually look at it. So I think those are the two biggest ones that I see women having to overcome. And then just honoring and understanding that we all have a money mindset story that we're coming into business with. We didn't just appear as a business owner one day out of the blue, right? You have a story from when you grew up. So maybe your parents talked negatively about a local business or local business owners or entrepreneurs. They talked about money and maybe money had a shame to it. So if you came from a family who didn't have a lot of money and your parents were always talking about those people who had money and how they were bad people, right? You have a negative mindset around people with money and therefore you will subconsciously sabotage your success. And then we have the other way around. And maybe if you came from money, you have a hard time being worthy of that success of your own. So these are just some examples of stories that I've heard, heard from clients. We have our podcast, Entrepreneur Money Stories, where we've had dozens of other entrepreneurs on the show talking about different stories and different challenges that they've overcome throughout life and how it has impacted them as business owners. And so I'm not saying, you know, I'm not a mindset coach, right? I do the hard quantitative stuff, right? We are bookkeepers. We help understand the numbers. However, you're not even going to show up to even talk to your bookkeeper until you acknowledge that you have a money mindset story and allow yourself to overcome that. Yeah. I mean, I see that working with newer stagers as well, or like in coaching, because some things are keep showing up. I think one of the big things for women, especially is perfectionism. I don't have my marketing perfect, so I'm not going to go out talk to a real estate client yet. Or I don't have my pricing perfect yet, so I'm not going to go out and start getting proposals. And that really becomes something that kept people back because ultimately you don't know if your pricing is going to work until your client sees it and give you an active feedback, right? They're going to tell you, oh, this is a great pricing or no, this is too high for us. Then we can adjust from there and trying to figure out what works for the market and what doesn't work for the market. And so it's hard sometimes, you know? And so when we see that pattern, how can we overcome it? From your client experience, how do they overcome their money story? Trial and error. So I think it's listening to the numbers, understanding the story that your numbers are trying to tell you, acknowledging what's working, 
deciding if you're going to continue what's not working and being able to take action, even if it's small action. I love that you just talked about the perfectionism because that's another story, right? I need to get organized before I can look at my numbers. You need to look at the numbers, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. We have to start where we are and start looking at it. So I think the best thing that we can do is start taking action so that we can start to overcome. I promise you, when you start looking at your numbers over and over again, I watch clients go through this amazing transformation, lost, scared, feeling unorganized, unsure to confident. And these all happen through small changes, right? Looking at it in small ways, listening to the small stories your business is trying to tell you, and then making small changes and growing. Yeah, because I think ultimately knowledge is power, right? You understanding Mm -hmm. the numbers, it gives you data. And so you can make educated decision. When a client comes back and said, your pricing is too high, and you can actually say legitimately that the reason why you price it this way is because gas has gone up 10% and we have to account for inflation, blah, blah, blah. And this is the number we need to do the work that you see on our portfolio to deliver the result that you want. And then you can negotiate from there. And then where are some of the basic financial numbers that every business owner should know? There are three basic numbers that I want every business owner to be looking at every single month. And it's not a gross revenue. So I know we hear a lot of buzz on social media and from different gurus, but hitting six figures or hitting 500,000, hitting a million, I actually don't care how much you have in gross revenue. I want to see how much you have in gross profit. So that means your sales minus any direct cost and labor. So anything that you need to purchase in order to fulfill your client's needs and anybody that you have to pay in order to fulfill that client contract. So it's the direct cost and direct labor. So every month, I want you to be able to see your gross profit. The second number is your total profit or loss. So when you're looking at your profit and loss statement or your income statement, it is the number at the very bottom. So revenue minus cost of goods sold minus all of your operating expenses. This is going to tell you if you are operating at a profit or a loss. And this tells you so many stories. If you are operating at a loss, you have a responsibility and a job to do to understand why. Where is the leak in expenses? And if you are profitable, are you paying yourself? Are you paying your contractors? Do you have a healthy profit percent? And the best way to analyze this information, so the third number, it's, a, it's really another report, is the percentage of income report in QuickBooks. This report will detail out how much of your revenue is going to each expense category. So when you're looking at your profit and loss, if you're showing a loss, this third number, this third report is going to help you analyze that information. It's going to help you identify where are the leaks? How can you stop the loss? And if you're profitable, it's going to help you understand the profit and be able to replicate it. That's right. And so it sounds like we need to look at our numbers every single month, right? So what are some of the actions that we have to do? Because I think for a service-based business, a lot of times we feel overwhelmed because sometimes, especially during peak real estate season, right? You barely had time to sleep. So when do we have time to actually enter these numbers? <laughs> yeah. What, what would that workflow look like? Yeah. 
So ideally, I think that every business owner needs help. So ideally, you're not the one entering in the numbers because how can you be doing revenue generating activities if you're behind the scenes doing bookkeeping? What we hear from business owners is that they're doing it on Sunday mornings instead of spending time with their kids or instead of doing something that fulfills your personal desires, they're actually spending that time entering transactions. So ideal situation is that you have a team behind you, an individual or a company that is entering all the transactions for you in QuickBooks, sending you the financial reports in an email with a key performance indicator summary so that all you have to do as a business owner is review the information at a high level, understand it, review it, read it. So I call it the three R's, read, read and review. And then Talk to your bookkeeper, right? Spend 30 minutes a month having a call with them, walking through the numbers, really more for you to have an accountability partner where you spend that 30 minutes and look through that information. Now, that's ideal situation. So I know that that's not everyone's situation. So if you are somebody who's trying to DIY your bookkeeping, you can't wait for too much time to go by. You know, part of the problem is that we we get busy and I understand it. I am empathetic to it. We get busy. But I hear this a lot at the beginning of the year. I've got to get my numbers in order. I'm going to get my bookkeeping. I'm going to do it. All of a sudden, it's like summer. And you're like, um, I never opened QuickBooks. And so it is really important for you to decide when each week and each month are you going to have time to really work on your business instead of in your business. So this might look like Money Monday or Finance Friday. And you have time in your calendar that you're really setting aside to record the information, read it, and then review it, right? So that you can make business decisions. So it's really just carving out that time and reminding yourself that this is the time that you are stepping out as the CEO and working on your business instead of in it. I love that. I think every month there should be at least some sort of CEO day where you're really gaining that bird's eye view of the business to make sure that your business is functioning systematically and it's everything's going without a hitch, essentially. Yeah. And then you mentioned having a team, right? So you talked about bookkeeper earlier, and there's a lot of times now companies have outsourced CFOs. And obviously we also have CPA who basically help us prepare our taxes. Can you talk about a little bit about the differences between each? So how much can a bookkeeper help in our business? And then how does that differ if we get a CFO involved? And also with CPA, how much can it advise us, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, it's really interesting. I didn't realize how many different terms there were for all these positions, <laughs> depending on where you came from, right? Depending on geographically where you're located, depending if you came from a corporate career, and depending on who you worked for, or where you grew up, there's so many different terms for this. So not all companies and not all individuals are created equal. So when we work with our clients, we are doing the bookkeeping, which is the act of updating QuickBooks, recording historical transactions, and then we help our clients understand the numbers. So really providing that financial review and then looking to the future to plan, creating budgets, creating cash flow forecasts. Not all bookkeepers are going to be able to do both sides of that. There are some bookkeepers who are really only able to record that information in QuickBooks. That is where their specialty ends. So depending on what you're looking for, if you only need somebody to do the basics, right? Just record the information, 
then it'll be your responsibility to actually pull the reports and review that information. The CFO outsourcing, I think, comes as we really grow our businesses. And I think that until we hit the $2 million mark, you know, one to $2 million mark, generally we don't need a CFO seat in our business. Once we're hitting those markers, we really want to start looking at the future. So planning our budget, doing a rolling 12-month forecast, looking at cash flow projections, looking at a 13-week cash forecast. At that point, you probably have a lending facility. So a line of credit, a loan, so somebody who can help you speak with the banks and understand that relationship. So generally, we see that most of our clients don't need that seat until they've hit those markers. Now, your tax accountant, this is always a really difficult one for entrepreneurs. Most people have heard, you started a business, make sure you have a CPA. And so we go out and we get a tax accountant. However, we end up looking at that tax accountant to do all things that are our business because that's the only person that we have because we're required to have them. We have to file our taxes. So that's the person that we have. And so we end up asking them, can you do our bookkeeping? Can you make sure the QuickBooks is completed? And they probably don't do it till the end of the year. That ends up being the person that we ask business questions to, looking to as a resource. And we have to remember that that accountant is only good at doing the taxes. They might be an anomaly. However, most CPAs, they are trained to do the taxes. They are good at preparing the return and tax planning strategy. If you are asking them any type of business or bookkeeping questions, it's out of what their expertise is. And so I think as entrepreneurs, I hear so many people growing very frustrated with their tax accounts, but it's not the tax accounts fault. It's our expectations as a business owner looking to that individual to solve more than one seat. And so that tax accountant is really somebody that we're only talking to for tax purposes. They are filing our tax return and we're talking to them quarterly to do tax planning strategies. Yeah. So I think that clarity is important, right? You need to figure out what kind of responsibilities need to be fulfilled in your business. I think one of the things I really appreciated of our old bookkeeper was that we would have the discussion. So she will come in to do the books. We'll have the discussion like, okay, Cindy, next month, so this is how we perform so far. But next month, you need to hit this number in sales to make sure we're breaking even. And if you want to hit your ideal profit margin, this is the number we need to hit. So it gave me a really clear picture in terms of, okay, so I know we already have three project books for next month. I need to get five more to at least break even, that kind of thing. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about where some of the must-do financial steps for the beginner business owners, like people who just started their business, maybe they haven't hit their first five figure yet. You know, they're just really starting out and preparing everything. Yeah, I love this stage of business. It's so exciting because you have an opportunity to really set the foundation, like, right? You have the opportunity to set strong foundations, strong practices right now. The first step is to make sure that your business and personal is 100% separate. You want to have a business checking account and a personal checking account. There should be very minimal commingling. And I use the word minimal because we're all human and it freaking happens, right? <laughs> I had a client email me a few weeks ago and they said, sorry, I was on a vacation, had one too many margaritas and used my business card at the pool. No big deal, right? It happens. But we really want to have that separated. So we are showing the IRS 
that we are a business, right? This isn't a hobby. We are separating it. If we ever get sued or audited, we are separating those two accounts. That is first and foremost. Then from there, it's setting up the other foundations, such as finding what accounting software is going to work for you. A Google Sheet or an Excel file is not an accounting software. We need to look at QuickBooks Online is what we use for all of our clients. I still feel like QuickBooks is a superior product long-term. They have the best reporting. There are other options out there. Wave is a free version, and then there's Zero. So there are other options. So you need to decide what's going to be the best accounting software for you. What point of sale system are you going to use? And start creating the foundations for systems and your backend to run as efficiently as possible. So that as you scale up and you keep on growing, you have the back end efficiently running. So support your growth. That's great. And then let's say we move along a bit more. Now we're at a five figure and then maybe into six figure as well. So our business is growing. We're experiencing growing pains. So I imagine the financial things are going to change as well. Correct? Yes. So we're still building on the foundations, right? So we're not commingling, right? We're still staying really consistent in the foundation that we set. As we're hitting those markers, that's when it's really important that we're looking at our, our numbers and starting to save and put together plans for the future. So at this point is when we usually see people wanting to start hiring. We need to stop wearing all the hats. We need to get some support in our business. We want to hire contractors or employees So setting up the savings in order to be able to support that growth. So slowly over time, making sure that we have those that three months worth of savings set aside. We're starting to save for taxes. So this is where we start to see our tax bill start to increase. So do we have enough money set aside for taxes? So working with your bookkeeper, working with your tax account to ensure that you're saving throughout the year. So this is why it's so important at this stage We are looking at our numbers monthly so that we have that information so that we can be saving for taxes and then saving the rainy day fund so that we can be prepared. I love that. And do you recommend any tools like a financial dashboard to keep track of the numbers in the business? I love a weekly financial dashboard. So when we work with our clients that are on our top tier package, they get a weekly financial dashboard that includes a few metrics. It includes cash, credit card balances and availability, receivables or who owes you money, who do you owe money to, and then sales months to date and year to date. I recommend business owners start to look at this weekly. It's really difficult when you're preparing it because you're not necessarily looking at it. So finding a team member to be able to prepare that for you so that when you look at it, you're not in the weeds, you're looking at it at a high level. And then on a monthly basis, so that's our weekly dashboard. On a monthly basis, we're reviewing the profit and loss statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement. And then that those are the reports we're looking at every single month. And there's so many different variations of this. Numbers don't have to be boring, right? They don't have to be dry. You can look at a different variation of a report every month. So when we work with our clients, we're constantly giving different reports like profit and loss year to date compared to prior year. How fun is that to be able to celebrate where you were and where you're going? What were you spending money on and what are you spending money on now? We talked a little bit about the percentage of income report. You're bringing in all this money. Where is it going, right? That's a really fun report to see where where the money's going. So 
keeping it fun, keeping it exciting for yourself. Got it. And so how do we create a financial dashboard? Is that something we can do or there's like an app or software that we use? I actually recommend Excel. When we send our clients their weekly dashboard, we use Excel. QuickBooks has some versions of dashboards, but you have to ensure that all of your transactions are categorized and everything's updated. So keep it simple, right? I think as business owners, we always want to go to the next level and get fancier, look at the next KPI, but oftentimes creates more complexity in your business that is going to create another headache, another thing for you to manage. So this is one that I say, keep it simple. Use Excel. Yeah. And so you mentioned KPI earlier. We need to look at our KPI and our key metrics to really make decision for our businesses. How do we do that? And also, I think KPI is a relative corporate term. So can you define a little bit what what is a KPI and what is an example of KPI that we should be looking at constantly? Yeah. So KPI is called Key Performance Indicators. And this is going to look very different for every single business. We don't run the same KPIs for every client. It depends on where you see yourself going and what's your next goal. So a KPI can be as simple as what is my gross profit percent and what is my profit percentage? And when you look at that number month over month, you're able to see trends in your spending. Another KPI can be your profit or loss by month and then profit as a percentage of income. Again, by looking at that monthly over time, we're able to see trends in our spending and in our income, understand the seasonality of our business. By looking backwards, we can see what's coming. If your goal is to get yourself paid more, you might look at officer salary or owner's draws as a percentage of revenue. So we have to tie the KPI, the key performance indicator, to what our goal is. One goal that we're seeing more and more this year in this industry is getting help, right? Hiring other people to be able to help you so that you are not doing every single project in your business. You want to be able, maybe each and every your family, or take your kids to the park. I know novel concepts as a business owner, but looking at our contractor expense, our employee expense as a percentage of sales month over month allows us to see, are we hitting those goals? And then this is a soft metric, but I, I believe that not everything has to be quantitative in numbers. And I know even as an accountant, I believe that we have two sides, but as we are looking at the contractor or employee cost as a percentage of revenue, you can write underneath, how did that month feel, right? Like, did you get to go for a walk every day? Did you get to have some work-life balance? And so not all profit is always equal. So just because I was super profitable, I might've been drowning and on the verge of burnout. And this month, I might not be as profitable, but I got some help in my business and I feel good. So tracking some of those soft metrics along with our quantitative metrics can really help us see the whole story. I love that. I think data is actually so important and it really helps us to be informed about what's going on in our business. And I'm really curious, actually, can numbers lie? I don't think numbers can lie. Our interpretations of numbers can lie. So we're human, right? We're, we're human beings running businesses. And how we interpret the numbers can have to do with our mindset. So if we want the numbers to tell us a story that we're looking for, we can create that story from the numbers and convince ourselves that that story is true. 
especially if we have a mindset of I'm not enough, right? Then you're going to look at your numbers like it's never enough. That's why when we work with our clients, we are constantly talking about congratulations, like way to go. I'm so happy you got to hire that employee. I'm so excited that you hit this goal. Congratulations on doubling your revenue from last year because we forget to celebrate and we just say on to the next goal, on to the next achievement. So we have to watch how we're interpreting goals or how we're interpreting the numbers. And is it telling us the right story? Or are we just choosing the interpretation that is following the same mindset? Love that. And you mentioned earlier too, the attitude about paying ourselves can be different and it shows up in numbers. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Is there like, is there a magic number, so to speak? Like what percentage we should be paying ourselves from the business? What do you recommend for us to price our own value in the business? Yeah. So I hear a lot of our clients talk about profit first. Have you heard of that book before? You could use a methodology like a profit first. In profit first, he talks about having a compensation structure of between 35 and 50% of your revenue for an owner of uh, under a million dollar in gross revenue. However, that's awesome. I would love for you to be taking home as much money as possible, right? Your business is here to serve you. You're not here to serve your business. However, I'm also a realistic accountant in that I understand we have operating expenses and we have to be able to pay our team in order to be able to support us and our business. So there is no magical percent that's going to work for you. You have to work with your bookkeeper to come up with that number. It might look like taking home a percentage of the profit. It also might look like a cash need. Remembering that as an LLC, if you are not an S-Corp, you are not a business expense to your business. So when you pay yourself, you're really just taking cash from your business and you're not actually reducing the amount of profit. So if you went and took out 50% of your profit in cash and there was no impact to the, the income statement, you're going to be sitting there saying, I'm bringing all this revenue, but where is it going? Right? I have no cash to support my business. So I have a term that I like to call our real, air quote, real cash balance. And the real cash balance is our current balance minus one to three months worth of operating expenses minus our tax reserve. And that is our true cash balance. And then from there, we can determine how much we want to take as an owner's draw so that we can continue to support the growth of our business. Once we become an S-Corp, that changes things a little bit. We have to pay ourselves a reasonable salary. We'll become a business expense to our business. And again, you'll need to work with your CPA bookkeeper to determine what is a reasonable salary for you. However, that'll change things a little bit. It makes sense. And is there a certain point we need to be making our revenue to change over to an S-Corp? We recommend that our clients watch for $50,000 in net profit, not revenue. So once you are hitting $50,000 a year in profit, that is usually the tipping point where we see it being beneficial for clients to start to look at S-Corp status. I love that. And can you talk a little bit about looking at your finances as a visionary versus a service provider? Like, what does it mean to be a visionary versus a service provider? This is the concept of working on your business versus in your business. So working as a service provider, we are working in our business. We are paying ourselves as 
an employee to provide services to our clients. And looking at our finances as a visionary, as a CEO of our business, we're looking at the whole picture. I like to think of it as taking a little step back. Like I'm stepping back and I'm looking at it from a bird's eye. I look at it from an overview. When I'm a service practitioner, I'm looking at the details. I am in the weeds. I'm on the ground, in the trenches, looking at every single number, every single change or variance. But if I'm looking at it as a visionary, I'm pulling back, looking at the picture, understanding what the story of my finances are telling me. And by pulling back like that, by looking at it from a bird's eye view, you're really able to spot the trends, right? You're able to really listen to the story the numbers are trying to tell you. You're able to ask yourself questions that if you're in the weeds, you get buried down. You can't see things in the same way. And you can often get tripped up over, oh, I'm spending $100 more there or $1,000 more here. It doesn't matter when I pull back and I look at the whole picture, are those small amounts getting to me to where I want to go? That makes sense. And then if we want to become more literate when it comes to our finances for our businesses, what do you recommend us to do to learn more about the finance and the numbers and how it shows up in our business? I recently listened to this podcast about Kobe Bryant and how he would spend hours and hours before everybody else came to practice showing up and he wasn't working on the fancy drills. He was reviewing the basics. He was working on his basic footwork and the basics are what made him such an amazing athlete, an amazing ball player. And so again, I think it's really easy for us to say, I need to go buy 25 books, listen to 10 audibles, download these five things, listen to the stuff, right? Yes, that's valuable. And I think that as a visionary, we always need to be learning, researching and growing so that we can think of things differently, see the future differently. However, let's just get back to basics. Let's review the basic information month in after month out so that you can understand the information and get familiar with it, understand your business then you can start to add on the fancy things. Then you can start looking at profit first. Then you can start downloading the next ebook. But we have to start with where we are. And then some other other strategies, get help, right? There's no need to be an expert in every single thing in your business. Like you do not want me in Canva, right? I am not allowed in Canva. So is finance really where you should be spending your time and energy? And can you get help? Obviously, I... I'm here because I am a podcast junkie. And so I love podcasts and I love diving into all things podcasts. So when you're ready and you've gotten used to reviewing the basics, then you can start to add on layers and listen to podcasts about finance. We have Entrepreneur Money Stories. Mike McCallis with Bob First. He's another great one. But start to add on layers slowly. Master the basics first. I would agree, right? Because you need to know what exactly is your income statement. Like what does PL do versus cash flow statement or balance sheet? Like how do those three differ? And then like what sort of the picture they're painting for your business. And once you get the basic concepts down, then it's much easier to add on additional things. And then when it comes to getting help, are there screening questions that you always ask for bookkeepers 
or things like that? Like, what would you recommend for business owners if they're hiring a bookkeeper? What should they be looking for? This is a soft skill. So you're, you might be surprised to hear me say this, but I want you to find somebody that you actually want to call, <laughs> that you actually want to get on the phone with, that you actually care enough to email them. The hard skills, they're out there, right? You can find somebody with an accounting degree. You can find somebody with bookkeeping experience. I think there's some bookkeeping boot camps. So not all experience is created equal. Do your research. Find out where did they come from. What are you looking for? If you are looking for somebody to just do the basic bookkeeping and you just need QuickBooks updated and you're going to do the rest, then you might be comfortable with somebody who doesn't have a lot of business experience and they just understand the basics of, of bookkeeping. However, if you're looking for that next level where you're utilizing this person to help you understand the numbers, you might want somebody who has more of a business background. They've not just gone to accounting school or a bookkeeping school, but they actually know how to help you understand the information. So understand what your end goal is first, then you can screen their background. And your, the call with them is really to see if they're a brand fit for you. Do they match your core values? So look at look at that company's core values. Well, first, see if they have them. <laughs> That's pretty important. Look at what their brand is. Look at what their core values are. And see if you resonate with them. And if that's going to be somebody that you're going to want to talk to. I cannot tell you how often I hear from people that say, I don't want to talk to my accountant. They don't make me feel good. They make me feel like I am less than, like I'm not good enough. They don't answer my questions. They make me feel small. That's not the right fit for you. There are businesses out there that are going to make you feel good. They're going to offer you a non-judgmental safe space to come and ask questions. I love that. Especially we talked about this earlier, right? The money story. Like I think talking about money sometimes can trigger a lot of emotions and that could be traumas that we experience as children or things that we encounter in our business that could be very triggering. So I think it's important to talk to a money professional who really understands how important it is and then not feeling you're being judged all along the way. Yes, exactly. So we're ending on our show. I just have one last question. What would be your number one tip for homestagers when it comes to the financials of their homestaging businesses? Take some action, right? We talked about a lot today and I know that it can be overwhelming. So flag this episode and do one thing right now. And then next month, come back, maybe you re-listen to it and you do one more thing. I think as entrepreneurs, we want to go big or go home and we want to do it all. We want to implement everything. And then we get into it and we lose steam and we forget to follow up and follow through. And so if you could do one thing and then keep the momentum, it's like training for a marathon. You can't go out tomorrow and run the whole marathon. We have to start where we are, maybe tomorrow go for a walk, and then we'll eventually start for jogging. So taking it one step at a time. I love that. And I also think the mindset of work really has changed, right? Especially in the last few years with COVID and everything. And now there's this new term about quiet quitting, about doing essentially the bare minimum so that you're not burning yourself out all the time. Yeah. We don't have to quiet quit in our own businesses. We can be smarter about it. Right? <laughs> Luckily, we own our own businesses and we have control over our time and we control who we get support from. So we don't have to quiet quit. We can get support and prevent burnout and, and help ourselves find work-life balance without having to do that. 
Love that. Thank you again for being on the show today. That was fantastic. Yeah, thank you for having me. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Happy staging.